If, if you could go back to the you of 17 years old, what would you say to you? And if you listened to you, would it really make any difference? I mean, if, you could, if I could go back to the me of 17, you know what I would tell myself? Oh, I would tell myself, take that money that you made and save $2,000 a year. Invest $2,000 a year. If Jenny and I, when we got married, and see, we, I always had extra jobs until we had um, kids. And there was like an eight-year period before we had kids. If, I had, if, I had, if we had saved and invested $2,000 a year just from the time we got married to when John Mark arrived, okay, and then stop there because kids are expensive, right? You're buying formula and diapers, and, you, you know, it's, it's hard to save money, okay? If we had done that today at my age right now, my investment portfolio would be worth $168,000. If I left that money untouched, when Maddie, my youngest, goes to college, I would have an investment portfolio worth $924,000. And if I continued to leave that investment portfolio untouched at age 65, do you know how much money I would have? $2.3 million! All for a measly $16,000 investment. But I can't go back, and you can't go back either. That's the thing about coulda, woulda, shoulda, is that you don't often get a second round around the merry-go-round, and that's just how life works. Life is a series of firsts. Your first date. You only get your first date once. Your first kiss. Will it be full contact? How will this kiss work? Do I you know, kiss and pull back immediately? Do I go for it? I mean, you know, it's, it's only your first kiss once, okay? First kiss, first date, first semester away from home. You only get that one time. I know some of you are like, if only I could that day, okay? Your first job, your first marriage, your first kid that you bring home from the hospital and they're just perfect and flawless and man, you're going to be the bestest parents in the whole world. And then your first home, your first investment, your first loan. Sign here and here, initial here. No, we have about 35 more pages to go, Mr. Vanderpool. Initial here and here and here. <laughs> this pen's going to run out of ink. Most people, most people in life choose the road of least resistance. They, they, they follow the easy road. I don't know many 20-year-olds that are investing $2,000 a year. Do you? I mean, there's not very many of them. But I know a lot of people who went down a road that they figured out later on was a wrong road. And, and when they sit down and they tell you about their life and they spin this tale and they tell you about how their marriage is, is, is upside down, their finances are a wreck, you know, they, they, they made this career choice. And, oh, if they had only gone to the architecture school instead of engineering school, I mean, it would have been so much better. And they've got all these... What? Okay, if only they had gone to the school of music instead of the school of business, they would be so much better off today, okay? And when they're telling you their tale, and when they're spinning this, there's a part of you... When, when they're telling this tale of woe, and don't you want to say, well, didn't you have a clue? I mean, wasn't there a sign, a flag, anything, you know, a hello, don't go down that road? I mean, wasn't there something? And nine times out of ten, there was. Nine times out of ten, there was. The problem was they were oblivious 
to what was obvious. But it doesn't have to be that way. If you brought a Bible, I want you to open it to the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, chapter 27. And, uh, and I want to remind you, this message, this series is borrowed from Andy Stanley's Principle of the Path. We're calling it Highways. And what we want you to remember is that direction, not intention, determines destination. It doesn't matter how badly you want something to happen. It's the road you get on that will determine where you end up. Okay, so Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs is one of three uh, books penned by Solomon. Now, that's a simplistic thing. You can get into textual critical history and all this stuff and blah, blah. And my eyes glaze over. For me, Solomon wrote three books. This is one of them, okay? And so uh, they're called wisdom literature, by the way, these three books. Uh, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. And if you've never read them, they're really great to read. Proverbs, especially if you're a teenager, or, or even Song of Solomon. If you happen to think the Bible is boring, just read Song of Solomon. I dare you, I challenge you, the Bible is not boring, okay? So uh, there you go, three, three books. And in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 12, Solomon contrasts two different kinds of people. Prudent people and simple people. There you go. A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Prudent people are people who understand that life is connected. All throughout the book of Proverbs, when you, when you, when you run across a prudent person, that person is a wise person. And a wise person knows that life's connected. There's a connection between decisions that you make and outcomes that you experience. Prudent people see that. And so Solomon paints this tale. A prudent person looks ahead and they do something about it. That's what that first part of the verse means. A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. What, what often is not told about prudent people is that prudent people often look like they're overreacting. Prudent people can often come across as being nutso. They do. It's just part of the nature of being prudent. Um, when I started off in the ministry, a very wise older pastor gave me some amazingly good advice. He said, Max, do you love Jenny? Oh, yeah, I love Jenny. Do you feel lucky that you got? Oh, boy, do I feel lucky. I mean, holy cow. Do you want to stay married? Yes, I do want to stay married too. Guess what? Don't ever meet with women alone. Huh? Yeah, don't do it. In fact, when you're at the office and you're meeting with a lady, maybe it's for church business, maybe it's for counseling, always have the door propped open. Funny thing is, over the years, when I've sat down with women from time to time, if they come in behind me, they'll close the door because they want privacy. And oftentimes, I'll actually stand up out of my desk chair and go over and open the back door. And sometimes it freaks them out. And they're like, what are you doing that for? I'm being prudent. <laughs> it looks like I'm being nutso, doesn't it? But see, I know too many pastors who've done really bad things with someone who wasn't their wife behind a closed door. I don't want to be one of them. So I have the door open. Sounds kind of crazy, but it's prudent, okay? Uh, if you're a teenager... Uh, let me explain your parents for a minute. I know, you, you often think of your parents as being Mr. or Mrs. overreaction. Isn't it true? Like, you call, you call, you call. Hey, Mom, I, instead, of, instead of being home at 12, I'm gonna, we're going to stay out till 2. And you have to hold the phone out here. Or, hey, um, Jim, 
Jim has his uncle's car, and we're going to drive out to his uncle's farm. And, it, you know, we'll, we'll be back by 1.30. It's okay. And, you know, and, you know, mom and dad are overreacting on the phone. And you're thinking, what? What is the federal case? It's two hours. It's getting in a car with Jim. What's the problem? Why are you making this into World War III? You just don't understand. And then you get frustrated. But see, here's what's going on in your parents' mind. They don't see this as an isolated thing. They're looking at the whole... They see a big, long highway. And they see the destination and pregnancy and all this other stuff. And, and so when they're doing the screaming on the phone, it's because they see the destination. They're not panicked about you staying out another two hours. They could care less. It's getting pregnant. That's what they're, you know, oh, okay. And so, so if you're a teen, okay, and you get this, and your parents start doing the, you know, and you want to go grab a paper bag, ask them this question. Okay, mom, what are you really afraid of? And it, I guarantee they're not going to say, I'm really afraid that you're going to be an, a, 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 out extra two hours. It has nothing to do with the extra two hours. It's always about something else. It's always about destination because that's just how parents are hardwired. And so we hyperventilate. And it's not because we want to ruin your lives or have to be in therapy for 10 years, okay, when you hit 21 years of age. We actually do love you. I mean, that's, that's part of being a parent, okay? So, but there you go, teens. I, I've let you understand the nutsoness of your parents a little bit more. And, and I, I wish I could wave a magic wand and have them not hyperventilate, but they just do. Um, it has to do with being prudent. Now, the second part of this verse, the second part of this verse is equally important. Okay, so a prudent person looks ahead, sees a problem, and does something. Well, what does a non-prudent person do? The simpleton goes blindly on. A simple person, a naive person, doesn't, they look, oh, huh. Wow. (laughs) I get it, Mom. You're not going to believe what happened. Okay, this is what Solomon, (laughs) it's how, come on, this is life. We're just talking life today. It's okay. This is how life works. Simple, Solomon says simple people they don't do anything. They may, they may get a clue. They may see a warning flag, but they don't alter course. They don't turn or swerve. They just keep going. And then boom. And here's the weird thing. Uh, for those of us that are professional Christians, like I'm a pastor, so that makes me a professional Christian, right? I get paid to follow Jesus or something like that. I don't, right? You're like, well, man, all of us should get paid to follow Jesus, okay? So, so it's not that great, really. <laughs> <laughs> when you calculate the hourly rate. Um, as a professional, okay, as a professional follower of Jesus, one of the things that absolutely floors me is how we Christians, when we do the simpleton thing, and so we, you know, we might see a caution thing, we, but we go and then we hit the, <clears throat> we hit the wall. All of a sudden, we Christians, we push the forgiveness button and we start talking about forgiveness and, oh, I just, you know, God, I'm so glad God's a God of second chances and forgiveness. And all of that's right and true. But what often is the case, what we really want is we don't want to have to suffer any of the consequences for going down the road where we hit the brick wall at 60 miles an hour. And the, the thing is, does life work that way? Does forgiveness mean you get an escape hatch from consequences of bad decisions? No, it doesn't. Um, that's not how life works. 
God made life to work with cause and effect relationships so that it's predictable. There are predictable elements to life. God designed life to work that way. Um, and I know you and I would, you might say to me, well, I know somebody and they cheated on their spouse. In fact, I think they cheat on the IRS and I think they've been doing it for a long time. They live in a big gazillion dollar home. They have a great job. They think everything's going fine. Nothing bad has happened to them. And I would add, yet? <laughs> Nothing, yes, you're absolutely right. Nothing bad has happened yet. And, but the problem is when you do those things, when you go down bad roads, um, not having big negative consequences if that's you, you're the exception, not the norm. Do you really want to bank your life on being an exception to reality? I don't think that's a very wise thing to do. Um, so what exactly does it mean to be prudent? And um, I, wanna, I, wanna have a, I wanted you to get a glimpse into someone else's life who was faced with some hard decisions, and they did some drastic things. And so Matt and Christina, would you come up here and join me at the table for a minute? And, I mean, and look, we even have flowers. Isn't that nice and lovely? That's just so flowery. Are these even real? real. Oh, Lord. They are. Oh. <laughs> they have plastic protector thingies. Sorry. I was, okay. <laughs> I was remembering Josh when he was little. <laughs> the Ballard son had the Lord. Okay, okay, so... so all right, it's, it's 2010, but for the two of you, there was a moment in time a few years back where you did a, oh my goodness, we're going down a road, and this road's going that way, and, and we want to go this way. What, what was that realization? Uh, we were doing financial peace uh, when I was seven months pregnant, thinking to ourselves, yeah, we need it. we're going to have to pay for child care because yep. we have so much debt and so many credit cards and everything else. We should probably figure out how we're going to pay for this child. I'm seven months pregnant, by the way. Um, That's good. It was yeah, before she arrived. Before she arrived. At least she wasn't born yet, so that was positive. Um, um, so we are in financial peace. We're supposed to do a budget. Mm -hmm. We do a budget. We knew that child care was going to cost roughly $500 a month. And we only had $300 left over at the end of the month, and she was going to be here in two months. And I went, uh-oh, what are we going to do? Okay. Um, so that was where it started. And um, we were very, very stuck. Okay. So you, had a, you, you did the thing. You had some home equity stuff. and Yeah, ho uh, four credit cards, two home equity loans, right. a mortgage. So there was a lot of outflow and not really mm. enough inflow. Yes. Okay, but a lot of us have been down that road. Yes, mm -hmm. okay. And but you did some very what some people would consider like just like draconian. You what did you do? You sold our house. Tell, we sold our house. You put your house up for sale. You were homeowners. Yes. You gave that up. And how long did you rent afterward? For two years. Ouch. And and it was two years. From the time we were in financial peace to the time the house actually sold was two years. And it's been another two years since then. Okay, so that it, did you have people, you know, going from like a homeowner to a renter in America, we call that backwards, right? Okay, that's mm -hmm. an America, because we all live in America. America yes. is always up, better, bigger. Okay, so what did, did people think you were crazy? Um, I called my dad and he said, that is the stupidest thing you could be doing. 
Wow, did, that feels affirming. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on a good path now. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh-huh. And, and his dad. That was just one of several comments yeah. that we got. Okay. His dad laughed at us and said, there is no way you're ever going to pay off any debt, let alone okay. all of it. Are you kidding? Laughed. And then his uncle got in on it also and started laughing as well and sat and made bets as to how long we were actually going to be paying off debt. Okay. And... And it's now been four years since you made that drastic decision. Where are you in terms of your credit card debt? Um, we have zero credit card debt. I'm sorry, what? We have zero <laughs> credit card debt. None at all? None. And we've paid off uh, $30,000 of credit card debt. And you're so, but you're still renting, right? No, we bought a house. What? Yeah, you can do that. <laughs> when you pay off all the debt, your credit score goes, and people are like, oh, please, let's get, would you like to buy another house? Please, why don't you buy another house? We'll give you this interest rate. It'll be amazing. Okay. So if, if there was somebody here and they, they're, they've been having the car ride conversations or the conversations at night where they've been like, okay, this, is, we're, this road stinks. We're on a bad road. We need to do something. You know, what would you tell them? Get off the bus. <laughs> Get off the bus. Figure okay. out another situation. Write it all down. Figure out where the money is actually going because we were spending so much money on food and playing and just okay. lows, lows, oh lows. You are my favorite place. And it's always the blue stores. I did. <laughs> okay. Oh, so was it worth it? Yeah. Was it worth it, Matt? Hundred percent. Okay, so yeah. you, if you would go back, you'd do the same thing. Oh, again, yes. Okay. Uh, and I would also say, um, as far as advice to somebody, sit down, write it down, look at what you have, and be honest with yourself and with your spouse. Like honesty. Oh, that's yeah. the oh, biggest okay. thing. And, and with yourself is one of the biggest things. We talked about that a yes. couple of weeks ago. Yep, honesty pays. Yeah. It does. <laughs> Thank you, Dylans, for sharing this part of your life. Thank you. And that wasn't easy to sell their house and to become renters. And here's the thing. When you do something drastic, when you do something prudent, there's going to be a little bit of embarrassment. But you know what? It's worth it if it means you end up where you want to be. It's worth it if it means you end up where God wants you to be. It's worth it to do something drastic. So I have a homework assignment for you this week, all right? And it's really simple. If you have come to realize that with some part of your life, whether it's your finances, maybe it's one of your big relationships with your spouse, your kids, uh, maybe it's a career thing, okay? You took the MCATs three times and flunked, and you, you're, you hate blood, but you're set and determined to become a nurse, okay? You know, I don't, okay? So here, do something drastic. Maybe it means cutting up your credit cards, physically taking them and cutting them up. I've done that in my life. It's a great feeling. You go right through the shredder, and then you can't use it. It's awesome, Okay. It might mean canceling internet service. <gasps> I, I run into people from time to time and they don't have internet. Guess what? I never ask why. I don't, I, you know, it, it's not like I feel that they're strange. They're being prudent, okay? Maybe you need to change jobs. Maybe you need to sell the TV. That, I mean, come on. Wouldn't your friends think you're crazy? 
you don't have a TV. <laughs> Their eyes get really big. They think you're aliens. But if, if it puts you on the path that's going to take you where you want to go, why wouldn't you? Okay, so do something drastic. It's worth the embarrassment now to get a payoff later. All right, can I pray for you and pray for me?